The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. Uh, This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today and we have a very interesting show. It's something a little bit different for us. Um, For most of you who uh, work in the behavioral health field, um, we've all been educated and trained about thinking about office-based work and um, therapy as being something that happens behind a closed door. And um, as we all know, there are many routes to recovery. And in Philadelphia, uh, a city that's uh, been known for its great thinkers um, for hundreds of years, uh, they've developed a project um, that's a public and private partnership and it's uh, really an amazing project that works with mural arts and um, it, people that have are, are in recovery or working on recovery for behavioral health issues um, work on these art projects. And to talk with us today, we have um, three guests, and hopefully our fourth guest will be calling in a little bit. Um, on the line with us today is Joseph Pyle, who's the president of the Thomas Scattergood Behavioral Health Foundation. Joe has more than 20 years' experience in behavioral health, serving eight years as CEO at various institutions, including Meadowood Behavioral Health System, Northwestern Institute of Psychiatry, the Melbourne Institute, Friends Hospital, and presently, Joe is the president of the Thomas Scattergood Behavioral Health Foundation. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Mary. Pleasure to be Hi. here. I'd like to introduce Jane Golden, who's the Executive Director of the City of Philadelphia Mural Arts Program. Since the Mural Arts Program began in 1984 as a component of the Philadelphia Anti-Graffiti Network, Jane has been its driving force, overseeing its growth from the small city agency into the nation's largest mural program, which is a catalyst for positive social change and a model for community development across the country and around the world. Under Jane's direction and partnership with communities, grassroots organizations, city agencies, schools, and uh, philanthropies, which I can never say, philanthropies, there you go, the Mural Arts Program has created over 3,000 landmark works of public art, earning Philadelphia international recognition as the city of murals. Thank you so much, Jane, for joining us today. Oh, thank you. And also on the line, we have Sarah Ansel, who is the program manager at the Porchlight Initiative. Uh, Sarah joined the Mural Arts Project in May 2011. She manages all aspects of the Porchlight Initiative and works closely with Yale to support their evaluation efforts. Sarah holds a dual master's degree in social work and social policy from the University of Pennsylvania and brings extensive experience in managing projects, conducting research, and analyzing policy around a variety of topics within the field of public health. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Um, thank you all for joining us today. I think that this is an amazing project, and it is, it's really, really creative, and it kind of speaks to um, what 
people can do when they think outside the box. And could each of you uh, share with our audience uh, briefly about the Porchlight Initiative and what your um, connection to it is? Joe, do you want to start? Sure. Um, well, our role is, has been as a, a funder of this project, and uh, the Scattergood Foundation is, is really focused on funding work that is innovative, that it works to generate new ideas and work to create dialogue that helps to decrease stigma and increase access to integrated behavioral health services. So the Porchlight Initiative, which Jane will describe in detail, I think really allows for work to happen within a community, both at an individual level, at a program level, and for the, at, the community, at a community-wide level. So it just really was a, a great project for us to, to get involved in, and we support the evaluation component of this, which uh, we can talk about later after Jane and Sarah talk about the, the porch light specifically. Thank you. Jane, can you talk uh, Yes, about I mean, I just, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to uh, Joe Pyle and to the mental health commissioner, Dr. Evans, for really encouraging us to think about the role that art can play on the life of communities and people in it who have had a desire for mental health services but either have received bad services, no services, feel a stigma around issues related to mental illness, addiction, homelessness, and really encouraging us to think about the role that art can play. Like, what can art do? How can it mine people's feelings? How can it, you know, connect people, you know, just based on what Joe was saying? I mean, art can be the great connector, connecting people to parts of themselves they didn't realize were there. I mean, how many people do we work with have talent and uh, strengths and gifts that have just gone unrecognized or connecting people to their families, connecting agencies to communities where there's been historically a lot of tension, and more broadly to be able to use art to better, um, to, better to, to make sure that people receive the mental health resources and services that they deserve. And so this thinking out of the box is so key to us because if I look across the board at everything that mural arts is involved in, you know, we really feel that we want to wake up every day and mine the social power of art and put it to work in both an aspirational and pragmatic capacity. And the Porchlight Initiative really allows us to dig deep in communities and with individuals and to provide people with valuable services. So I love this work because... It's a different approach. It embraces innovation and creativity, and it provides people with things that they really deserve. Um, thank you, Jane. Dr. Evans, did you join us? Yes, I did. Um, welcome. Uh, we're just in the beginning of uh, introducing the concept of the Porchlight uh, Initiative, but I would like to introduce you to our audience. Um, Dr. Arthur Evans just joined us. He's the Commissioner of Philadelphia's Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services. In his capacity as Commissioner, Dr. Evans is a leading and major initiative to transform how behavioral health care and intellectual disability services are delivered in Philadelphia. Since Dr. Evans' appointment in November 2004, Philadelphia has begun a transformation of its entire system to one that focuses on recovery for adults, resiliency for children, and self-determination for all people who use intellectual disabilities services. Um, welcome, Dr. Evans. We've heard from Joe and we've heard from um, Jane. And uh, could you share with us how you decided to support this, this initiative that's very creative and out of the box? 
Well, thank you for inviting me to be here. Um, sure. Uh, this is actually one of the most exciting things that we're doing right now, I think, in uh, Philadelphia in our service system. And it came out of really seeing Jane Golden do a presentation about the Mural Arts Program. And it was clear after only about five minutes that there were a lot of parallels between the work that Jane was doing in creating a, a mural and the work that we do in trying to help uh, individuals who have behavioral health conditions. Um, what we saw and what I heard in that presentation was uh, a process of transformation, working with communities to develop a concept, engaging people around uh, the concept, bringing people together, and then uh, creating this, uh, this, this public art. And in many ways, uh, one of the challenges for us in the field is how do we engage a community around uh, what can often be very difficult topics like substance use or mental illness or what does it mean to recover, what does it mean to live with a mental illness. And I just had a hunch that, um, that we might be able to use that same art-making process to engage people around these topics uh, and use that as a way of connecting with individuals, uh, making connections to uh, community members, and ultimately beginning to reduce stigma in the community around behavioral health conditions. Um, I, before we take our next commercial break, I'd like to introduce Sarah as well. Um, Sarah is the program manager. Of the, I already said that, Sarah. Do you, you haven't had a chance to talk, so could you share with us your perspective? Sure. Um, I, I came into mural arts about a year ago. I think my one-year anniversary is coming up shortly. And the reason I, I came um, to mural arts was to help run the Porch Light Initiative because I feel so strongly in the connection between um, the artistic realm and public health. Um, and my background is more in social science research, so I'm definitely a novice when it comes to the art world, but I am um, seeing the connection and really transformative connection between creating art and creating um, change in individual and communities. Um, so it's, it's been a really wonderful, enlightening um, year that I've spent here, and I'm excited to continue with Neural Arts. Dr. Evans, for, uh, for our listeners who are thinking about this globally, um, it, it was really it was kind of a risk to think about putting resources into art for uh, recovery initiatives. And um, how did you decide that, that this project was, was that valuable? What, what were you seeing? I mean, what was the evidence that you saw that helped you make this decision? Yeah, that's a great question and one that um, I think about a lot uh, <laughs> as, a, um, as a policymaker. I think a, a, a number of things. One is I think that there's growing recognition in our field that we, we have to do something to engage the broader public around uh, issues of behavioral health. And uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that people who have these conditions have to go back into a community, and uh, we want um, members of the community, family members, to understand, to be supportive of uh, these individuals. And so, you know, traditionally we've sort of focused on what I call the black box, just treating people, um, waiting for people to need help, treating them, and then discharging them. And now we really understand that we really have to, to get out of that black box to really engage people in the community, and we saw this as, as one thing, uh, one way to do that. And, I, and our experience has been that this has been a very effective uh, means of doing that. But beyond that, I think what's really uh, um, that we've, I've personally been surprised about are the other um, 
benefits of, of this project. The, the individuals who have worked on this project uh, really have talked about a transformative process. And if you think about what art does, art is what makes us human to a large degree. Uh, and to talk to someone who is really at the what they feel is the bottom of their their existence, their life, about art and how um, uh, important that is in, in one's life, has we've seen had a tremendous impact on people's uh, process of recovery. Uh, it's also had an impact on providers and changing their ideas and notions about what it means to work with the people that they are working with. So uh, you, we've seen our providers start to work in a more collaborative and a less hierarchical way, which is something that we think is very important. So we've just seen all of these benefits from the community level to the provider level to the individual level. Um, and from my standpoint, it has been a, a really good investment. I, I just can't think of another way to have that many um, uh, positive outcomes uh, based on you know a single project. Um, Jean, this started from an anti-graffiti initiative, mm-hmm. the Mural yes. Arts. Yes, it did. Yes, we were the anti-graffiti network from 84 to 97, and I ran a small art component of it. But but even then, I mean, you know, when I started working, people were like, oh, this kids you're working with are going to end up in jail, and the walls you're painting are going to get defaced. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, if you don't take a risk in life, like, what, how do you move forward? So I give, you know, our former mayor, Wilson Good, a lot of credit you know, he believed that, you know, we're going to create change, we're going to, you know, really reduce graffiti in the city, and I'm going to put funds on the table to do it. And we worked with kids, provided them with opportunities, kids changed, communities were cleaned up, and now you'd be hard-pressed to find graffiti in the city. Um, and we'll be right back after this commercial with more with our guests. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. There are a number of health and social services available to individuals for low cost or no cost. Now there's a radio program devoted to bringing you the information you need. Tune in to Outreach Today with host Melissa Jenkins-Simon. Our program promotes the benefits and services of CI Incorporated, providing health and social services over a wide spectrum of resources and agencies. We want to help you. Tune in to Outreach Today, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and today we're talking about an amazing initiative that is a public and private partnership, and it's called the Porchlight Initiative, and it's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and it's uh, it's a way for uh, people to enter recovery. It's, it sounds like it's also a prevention tool that, that uses art to um, help people reconnect with themselves and to begin to think of themselves as something besides their challenges. And um, our guests today are Dr. Arthur Levins, who's the Commissioner of Philadelphia's Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services, Joe Pyle, who is the President of the Thomas Scattergood Behavioral Health Foundation, Jane Golden, who's the Executive Director of the City of Philadelphia Mural Arts Program, and Sarah Ansel, who is the Program Manager of the Porchlight Initiative. And um, you know, Dr. Evans, when you were talking um, before we went to break, and, and Jane, you know, it just seems like having been to Philadelphia and and seen some of the murals that that you you all have done, um, this is more than just you know helping people in behavioral health. It seems like that there are a lot of other stakeholders that you've brought into this initiative. Right. In fact, somebody, a funder, said to me recently that this is a deceptively complex program and I was like yes that's very well said because you know just just even if we look at some of the first projects we did with behavioral health you know we had a very specific mission you know southwest philadelphia we worked with you know african immigrants people from liberia and african americans and it was there had been um, you know bullying and there had been some beatings and it was you know in Arthur was really clear, like, how do we reach people? How do we make people feel safe? How do we get people to go to the Children's Crisis Treatment Center? And so we started bringing people together around the design process and around the creation of art. But what we didn't count on was that the Community Development Corporation would get interested. The business people would get interested. Suddenly people realized, ah, this could be a catalyst for other things. And a month after we completed this project, all these groups together hosted a forum on community in economic development. So that's like what, you know, all these things happen um, that are byproducts of the art, but they take different paths. And so many, many people are impacted who you didn't think would be in the beginning, and that's what I love. So the work is brought. It's social services. It's education. It's community and economic development. It's tourism because there are tours all throughout the city. It's, you know, opportunities for people coming out of jail, people who are incarcerated, and it's not separate. All these different worlds intersect around the creation of community-based public art done with great intention and rigor. Yeah, and um, that particular project, just uh, this week I got notice of continued work in that area around economic development in that area. In fact, they have a, 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 an economic conference coming up uh, within the next week or so. And, you know, it, I think it also speaks to one of the other reasons why we think this work is so important. Um, for, for many years, we've tried to work with individuals and treating individuals. And now we have a, a better understanding that we also need to think about the context and the environments that people are going back into uh, once they go through formal treatment. 
And, um, you know, these projects are uh, a wonderful way of uh, also helping to change the fabric and the dynamics that are going on in the community to, to ultimately, we hope, uh, be a catalyst for communities uh, becoming stronger, more focused on health and wellness. That's right. There's a broader healing that takes place that is really inspirational to see. I mean, it's really, it's, uh, it's about um, transformation on so many different levels, and that's really what we love. How sustaining is that transformation, Jane? Well, I think it's sustaining. This is why, because we're the City of Philadelphia Mural Arts Program, and although we are a hybrid program, public-private, we're here, and I hope we're here for a long time. I hope mural arts exists long after I'm gone, which I hope is, you know, that's, I'm going to be around for a while, but, you know, I think that it's a sustainable model because of its public-private nature and because we have colleagues in city government, in L&I, in the streets department, the managing director's office that we can, you know, bring, bring in, so help seal up dangerous houses, get lots clean, plant trees, put up fences, you know, so, and that's part of the legacy, I think, of mural arts is that, you know, we go in and we want to be as comprehensive as possible and we build relationships and we build connections that are ongoing because people become part of the mural arts family. Sometimes we start programs in communities that have been there for years and years, and sometimes we just help people start programs that are loose, more loosely connected with mural arts, but our commitment to neighborhoods and communities is profound, and people know that, and it is really a deep intention of ours to make sure that these relationships we're building are long-lasting. You know, um, getting back to what you said, Dr. Evans, about uh, somebody coming from treatment back to the community, and we know that, you know, treatment can be very effective until somebody goes home. And and the idea of healing the community, um, you know, it, it makes so much sense. I wonder why we aren't doing more of it. And the other thing I want to say, too, just speaking of that, so when people go home, I mean, how many people have said to to me, you know, Jane, I no longer feel like an addict. I don't feel this stigma. I feel like I'm an artist. I feel like I'm a person. And then, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times I go to our events and I see people who have now become part of mural arts that we met at these different provider agencies, people who are now, you know, got the confidence and some support from our staff to go to community college or, you know, people who are, you know, working uh, in our program. It's, it's really interesting. But I think it's because we see this not sort of as a job, although it is a job, but it's like a moral imperative to connect people in a deeper, lasting way. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think that there is a growing recognition. I don't think we're where we need to be as a field around this. I mean, th- there are people within um, the healthcare field and within behavioral health care in particular that I think have that perspective. I, I actually am a, a community psychologist as well as a clinical psychologist, so I sort of trained in that way to think about context and and people's social ecology. But I think that there's growing recognition that this is uh, enormously important. People are looking at the social determinants of health, looking at uh, communities and environments and how do they either contribute to people's wellness or how do they detract from that. And I think that there's growing recognition that uh, we really have to intervene not only with individuals but at the community level as well as the, the family level. Um, so I think we're getting there. I think it's from, from my standpoint, I think we're probably slower than we need to be, but um, it's clear to us that uh, the more we do this work, the more we're able to engage people, the more we're able to create communities where um, people are 
thinking about how do they support people who have behavioral health conditions, that that, in fact, helps those individuals that we're trying to help through traditional treatment. What is the um, neighborhood like now, the first neighborhood that you'd put a mural in? Um, was did the cohesiveness, was that, is it still there? Are these folks still working on other projects? Well, I think that's a really good question. So this is a neighborhood that is really in need. I think it's a neighborhood that is still struggling. I mean, I think the economy has hit the struggling neighborhoods in a very hard way. Um, what's most apparent to me, because I'm in touch with people from the neighborhood all the time, because <laughs> they're always requesting, like, so many murals, which I think is great that there's a demand for art now. So that didn't exist, and now there is. That now, really, what people are talking about, it's this, this conflict that existed that seems to have dissipated, and instead there is an eagerness to really talk about issues related to economic development. So I think that it's an, you know, it, it, you know, our work is not a panacea. I think murals show us the catalytic role that art can play in the life of a city, and then it's up to us once you see, you see these, you know, changes happening, and then we want to be really strategic and build on it. And I think that in the face of a struggling economy, what we've been able to do is root some resources to, this, to the Community Development Corporation that has spilled over and created some other changes. So every year we really try to pay attention to this part of the city and do what we can. But what I like is that the conversation has shifted. Yeah, and I'd and I like to just uh, emphasize one thing that, that Jane said, that we understand that, that the work we're doing is not a panacea and that everything is going to be uh, wonderful after uh, a mural is done, but I think that the key here is that the work can be a catalyst, and sometimes that catalyst can have a profound and long-lasting impact, and other times it may not catch as as, uh, as much as we would like. But but the the one thing that I think our work has that we're learning from our work is that um, that more often than not it. Uh, can be a, an important catalyst for communities, and and sometimes it could be that catalyst that really helps to reframe issues uh, within a community um, that go beyond even what our the the topic of the mural was about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I was there last summer, one of the things that um, that I thought was very striking is that there was such a diversity of people working on the mural culturally. Um, from behavioral health illness perspective, I mean, it was really uh, a melting pot of all kinds of people, and and they were just side by side working, painting, and sharing colors, and um, you know, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that that really um, both touches me, and I think in some way is is very uh, inspiring. If if you look at the diversity of the people that come to the paint days and are a part of these projects. We, we had one project that had over a thousand people to work on the, the project and that was, you know, everyone from uh, community groups to people in the neighborhood to um, people who had gone to the program where the, the, the painting was happening. So just a very diverse group. We have a very interesting um, project now on suicide prevention. Uh, and uh, it, you know, it's really been profound the kind of impact that people have had, or how the, the impact that this project has had. Uh, we've had um, people who've lost uh, brothers, people who themselves are survivors of suicide. 
um, we had um, firemen who um, uh, had uh, committed suicide whose family members are coming uh, and uh, helping to paint their um, their father husband's uh, image into the mural. And, and so, you know, you see these projects, people with from all kinds of backgrounds, and you can see the impact of just having other people with that similar lived experience um, working with you and being able to give voice to a, a part of them that um, they may not have had uh, an opportunity to do before. Right. It really creates a community. And, and Sarah, I know you're seeing this at your community days with Porchlight, how how interesting it is. I mean, just I think it was last week you said you had like 292 people come and, you know, from all walks of life. I, I think that's wonderful. It shows, shows us the glue and that art can be. And, and hearing um, Jane and, and Dr. Evans talk about um, the community impact, I'm, I'm seeing um, community evolve within these behavioral health agencies where we're working, which has been really wonderful to see. Um, we hold these weekly workshops with uh, service recipients, but the staff members at a lot of these agencies have actually started to come down and paint with service recipients on a weekly basis to the extent that they really see themselves as part of this group now. Um, and the dynamic in the room is such that this isn't some sort of facilitated group that's happening. This is kind of an organic community that's evolved as these folks have come together every week. Um, and we are lucky at Mural Arts and that the artists that we work with are incredibly skilled at creating an environment that's inviting and warm um, and safe. And so these service recipients and trained staff members are interacting in a way that's authentic, and um, you can see these relationships that are, are building, and it's just been so powerful to witness. And then those relationships are even more evident at these community days where the service recipients and staff members who've been a part of our weekly workshops really take ownership over these beautiful murals. And so when new community members come in on these paint days to help paint, it's the participants themselves who really lead part of that. Um, last Saturday, actually, I witnessed participants giving instruction on, on how to properly paint one section of the mural. And, and these are service recipients that, in the beginning, um, they uh, were very shy, um, had difficulty talking with me and, and even some of the artists that were in the room. Um, so it's been, it's been a really wonderful process to witness. And we'll be right back after our next commercial um, to hear more from our guests. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we're, we're all really learning about um, the healing aspect of art, not only individually, but also as a community. And um, for those of you who just joined us, um, we're talking with Dr. Arthur Evans, who's the Commissioner of Philadelphia's Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services. We're talking with Joe Pyle, who's the President of Thomas Good Behavioral Health Foundation, and Jane Golden, who's the Executive Director director of the City of Philadelphia Mural Arts Program, and Sarah Ansel, who is the program manager for the Porch Light Initiative, which is part of the Mural Arts Program. And um, and what we've learned over the last half hour is that, is that art can be um, restorative and it can be healing and it can be preventative and that um, art transforms all of our silos, if you will, that we have in behavioral health and, in, and also in community in terms of funding and um, goals. And uh, this is just an extremely creative project that um, is flourishing in Philadelphia, and I'm and I'm sure it's flourishing in other places because we know that the uh, um, city, a Philadelphia mural arts program, is one of the best in the world. So. Um, Sarah, before we uh, went to break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, what the individuals experienced. Dr. Evans was talking about that as well. And um, being the person who's on the ground, what do you hear from the service recipients? Sure. So the service recipients um, have begun to share more and more openly with me as a program manager. You know, I come in and I'm sure... I thought I'd be seen as kind of an administrator, and fortunately over time we've really built relationships here at Mural Arts with the service recipients. They see us as a part of the workshop space, which has been great. Um, and we, fortunately, are undergoing a pretty rigorous evaluation, and part of that evaluation is interviewing participants about their experience. And so some feedback has been given from participants about their experience thus far in Porchlight, um, and a few of them have shared some specific quotes, and I'd be happy to read those. Um, one participant in one of our agencies that deals specifically with sobriety issues, um, people uh, struggling with uh, substance abuse, um, and one of the participants at this agency said, um, and I quote, Mural arts opens the mind up to what staying clean is about. You know, the beauty of life and how you can reach out to others. Staying clean means you can conquer anything. When you're clean, you can reach your goals and achieve your destiny. Wow. And we had one other participant who was willing to share some of her thoughts. Um, this is a participant who lives at a permanent supportive housing facility here in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. Um, and she says, and I quote, um, the artist inspires me. They can always give me hope, get me involved in something, just anything. They've got me going. They keep me busy. 
I thought, oh, my God, this is me putting up a mural. Never would I have thought about that before. And here I am putting up a mural. Um, and this participant in particular is someone who struggles with literacy. And she has been working with one of our artists to create poetry. Um, and her poetry is now actually going to be reflected in the mural. Um, the poem itself will be written um, writ large across the mural, and it will be her words that she crafted with um, one of our artists. So and she's been a, a diligent participant since the very beginning of this program. Um, so this is just, I hope, small insight into some of the... Um, some of the impact that these individuals are experiencing from this from this program. In your evaluation, are you seeing that people are? I mean, are you able to measure that people are getting a voice? That are you are you measuring that if you when you focus on people's strengths, they get better? Uh, what is the evaluation process? Sure, um, I, I'm sure I can speak to that, and I'm, I'm sure Dr. Evans and Joe Pyle can speak to it as well. Um, we're, we're measuring impact at both the individual and the community level. Um, so we're looking at the individual level. We're looking at certain things like improved health, reduced symptoms, greater functioning, um, reduced personal and social stigma, recovery and healing, uh, greater social support, improved attitudes about help-seeking, increased utilization and satisfaction with services. Those are some of our measures. And then at the community level, we're looking at um, observed improvement to physical decay, physical disorder, and social disorder in these communities, and perceived improvements in neighborhood safety, exposure to violence, neighborhood aesthetic quality, and walking environment, as well as collective efficacy. Um, so interviews that are conducted with participants are quite in-depth, um, and we're measuring these things uh, pre and then post, as well as a follow-up. And how long have you been doing the evaluation? Um, the evaluation began when the program began. Uh, when the program, this, uh, the Portrait Initiative began in, in 2009. Um, 2010 is when the programming began. Um, but Yale has been, Yale is our, our evaluator in all of this, and Yale has been instrumental in um, being a partner in all of this. So they've helped kind of uh, guide some of the, the program's target populations, um, and also helped Mural Arts think really strategically around what kind of impact we are hoping to, to see. Um, I think Mural Arts, we have a lot of gut feelings about the impact that we have in these communities, um, and Jane can speak eloquently about that impact. And what Yale is helping us to do is really quantify that impact um, and give us some wonderful and substantial data to support what we feel in our gut to be true, which is that we have a sustained impact in the communities in which we work. Right, and what was so great, see, several years ago, and you know, Joe Pyle graciously gave us a small grant to measure, to look at impact when we were um, working on an, in a methadone clinic. We were doing a huge project, but we took over the basement of the clinic and we said, okay, we're going to offer programs here, you know, just like once a week. And then we said, wait a minute, we could offer our programs before group therapy. Wait a minute, we could work with the social workers. Wait a minute, we could see if people are hanging in there with recovery longer. And then people with Jevs were telling us, wait a minute, you guys are really on to something. And Joe Pyle was like, try to measure it. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And so, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, lo and behold, we see people are really taking their recovery more seriously because they're seeing themselves in a different light because they're involved with this major project. It's not like a small art project, as good as that would be. This is a major six-story mural on the side of this gray, gray, peeling building that is awful, and it's just inspiring. And that led us to, you know, um, to apply to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and then 
working with, you know, with Arthur and his department and Joe Pyle and some other funders, along with a major grant from RWJ, we were able to really formalize the evaluation component. And for us, that's fantastic, because there are a lot of really wonderful nonprofits out there who are doing God's work, can't measure it, because you need funding in order for an evaluation to happen. So we're so grateful to Arthur and Joe and RWJ for making this this possible for us so that we can really see what are we you know what what's working what's not working how do we course correct how do we do our work more intensively it's incredible yeah and and i think that's really important for us uh one of the things that uh, some of our funders asked us during the the process uh, of our application was how would you know if this were successful my response to that is that other mental health commissioners from around the country would want to replicate it and so if, if we, we believe passionately that this is important work and that it's effective and it's having an impact, but uh, we need to be able to um, articulate what it is about the work and help and understand how the work can be replicated in other communities if, in fact, it's having the impact that we believe it, it's happening. And certainly, anecdotally, we have lots of evidence that uh, it does. And I think what we're also beginning to see, and I think Sarah said it very well, that what our intuition was is being held up to be true by the way the early learnings are coming out of the work. The fact that it's a four-year grant cycle will get a really good sense of what's happening to individuals and to community. And I think it'll also allow us to, sometimes our, our gut isn't necessarily where we should be putting our energy. And I think we're beginning to see some of that. I know one of the early learnings was the development of a readiness tool. Um, how do we know when a, when a group or a, a community is ready to engage in that mural process? And I think those, as Arthur said, when a commissioner from Detroit calls or Los Angeles and says, you know, we're interested in what you're doing, that we can take this and these tools that are developed and say, here you go. Um, this, is the, this is the format that one should use to take what is a phenomenal process and uh, engage your community with it. And something that we've also developed here at Mural Arts that I, I think will be helpful in this aim of replicability um, are some pretty extensive sets of, of criteria. Um, what does it take for an agency, um, like the agencies you work with currently in the community, to be a part of this kind of program? And what does it take on our end at Mural Arts to work with these agencies? So we're finding out what really makes up these kind of connective tissues between mural arts, this arts organization, these behavioral health agencies, and these funders and, and city agencies. W what is it about this connective tissue that works and doesn't work? And then how can that be reshaped in a different city um, to replicate this kind of program? You know, um, having worked in, with people with uh, major mental illness and substance use disorders for more years than I want to admit. Um, I think that it's really what I'm hearing that's so, that, that I absolutely love is the fact that, you know, people are gaining an identity other than being an addict or a schizophrenic or um, a depressive person, that they're, they're starting to conceptualize themselves as um, something that, that Hopeful and useful, and they're 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 using their energies with other people, and, and they've and they're creating a new community for themselves. And, and we know, um, at least in for folks who have addictive disorders, you know, being able to have a good sense of self and being part of a community is is part of the 
you know, the foundations of recovery. So um, right. I think you're really on yeah. I think you said it yeah. so well when, yeah. when you said that it's creating a new community for people. And we've seen that since we work with graffiti writers. We see it with, you know, when we work with people who are coming out of prison, we see it with the behavioral health work. And there's, you know, it it's, goes beyond, consistently beyond, and I'm talking about 25 years of work, anything that people imagine in the beginning, the, the path it takes people towards both success and light in their lives. Yeah, I think you were just right on the money with, with that comment. I, I do think that a big part of the recovery process is for people to develop a, a new identity. And I think what's somewhat counterintuitive about art is that uh, it allows people to sort of jumpstart that process. And if you think about sort of the typical process that we go through when we work with people, we kind of do the Maslow's hierarchy and we say you got to take care of your basic needs first, and you sort of go up to the to go up the, the hierarchy until you know those higher order things like art. Uh, we're starting at art, and I think it sends a very powerful message about people's inherent uh, dignity and humanity uh, that really jumpstarts that process and helps people to formulate a, a different view of themselves um, pretty quickly. Um, and we'll be right back after this commercial with more with our guests. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, for our final segment of One Hour at a Time. Our guests today are Dr. Arthur Evans, who's the Commissioner of Philadelphia's Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services. Joe Pyle, who's the President of Thomas Scattergood Behavioral Health Foundation. Jane Golden, who's the Executive Director of the City of Philadelphia Mural Arts Program. And Sarah Ansel, who's the Program Manager of the Porch Light Initiative. And I think during this whole hour, what, if I can sum it up, is that, that art transcends almost everything and that um, helping people develop a new identity and creating a new community for folks is really what recovery is about. And Absolutely. really it, it, it's something that I guess every city and town should begin to look at in terms of providing recovery-oriented services. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I agree. I think that, um, that art does have that uh, power in ways that other things that we've tried as, 
as a field and as a society um, have not had. Um, it's just something that's very powerful about art in that whole process of redefining oneself, redefining one's community, um, and, and um, uh, really coming at you know these issues in a non-threatening way um, uh, that's very um, powerful. Right, and I think in, in, in one of the comments that Sarah read, it sort of really summed it up for me because when the person said, I can't believe I'm working on a mural, so it's like art is great, but then you take art and you sort of, you sort of make it bigger, right? And you make it relevant because it's, you can't help it. It's connected to the community it, where it's living. And then it means it's connected to other people. And that means people are giving back in a very profound way. And they're learning skills and they're feeling better about themselves and they're making an impact on the life of the city that's there for 20 or 30 years. They're making this mark. And then they can go and, I mean, like, you know, with our behavioral health projects, I mean, there's we have a set of projects we work on every year, but the behavioral health uh, constituents that we've met, well, then they go on and they're working on other projects and other projects. So there's this exponential sort of growth that's going on, and there's this ripple effect. So some of the changes happen when we're right there, and some of them happen when that project is done, but people are still on this path. And that's really what I love about it. So it's taking art to almost its nth degree. It's taking it as far as you can stretch art. That's what I want to do, right? That makes me feel really good. That's why when I wake up in the morning, I want to know, as Joe Pyle says, how did we move the needle? I want to be able to answer that question. And so we want to know that we're doing things that really impact the citizens. And that means that our responsibility is to take the beauty and power of art, and Arthur described it so eloquently, and put it to work in a very practical way. So how many other cities are doing um, projects like this? Well, I think like this with our behavioral health work, I, I think this is pretty unusual, to oh, be honest yeah. with you. I, I think on, that there the are lots of there are projects, right? there, are there are cities out there who are calling because they're really interested in replication of mural mm -hmm. arts and very interested in the behavioral health work. But I think it's, you know, I think we're pioneers here in Philly, <laughs> something we should be proud of. I would agree. Absolutely. Well, um, Philadelphia has been a city of pioneers ever since the Revolution, so uh, you're, you're keeping up the image, so that's good. <laughs> We're doing our part. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, so, I think that, um, you know, how, the reason how do you that... Move this, how do you move this forward so that other cities and, and, or towns or, um, can benefit from everything you've learned? Well, I think one of the things, and you hit on it a, a little while ago, is, is the whole... Uh, evaluative piece, which I think is so important, as, as Jane said, a lot of times we do this work, we feel good about it, but we don't uh, evaluate and try to tease out what is it about the work that is um, effective and, and um, actually is having the impact. Uh, we, we're very carefully trying to study what we're doing and to document uh, what we're doing. Um, there are focus groups, there are formal measurements, and so I think all of that will help us in being able to articulate um, what, is, what it is about the work that, that is uh, effective. And, you know, and it will turn out that some of the things that we think are really important, well, maybe when we evaluate it uh, and test it out, may not be quite as important as other things. That, uh, as, as other things. And so uh, that's the way I think we're going to be able to, to kind of keep this work going here in Philadelphia okay. and to be able to share it with others. 
and and from a pragmatic um, kind of replication goal, um, my, my my job as part of this is to really document exactly what we're doing here. So it's pretty easy for me to come into work and work with people at Mural Arts to get things done, but not necessarily to document, okay, so we needed to have X many meetings to plan these type of events, or it took this kind of material and supply order to make this kind of mural happen. Um, and so something that I'm trying to do pretty meticulously is document exactly what's going into this soup of porch light. <laughs> so we need this this kind of partner. Um, we need this kind of space to do our workshops. We need this kind of wall to, to put our mural on. We need this kind of budget. We need this kind of staffing. Um, and all of those things will be documented pretty thoroughly in a manual at the end of all of this. And it won't be so simple as St. Louis taking a manual and reading from it and replicating, but hopefully um, some sort of compiled documentation of what went into Porchlight will be helpful moving forward, in addition to, as Dr. Evans mentioned, the findings um, from this evaluation from Yale. And we've also discussed having a convening in the fall. We just had uh, one uh, the other day sponsored by the Ford Foundation around art and criminal justice, and it was very well attended. In fact, it was sold out with a waiting list. So. I think there's a thirst from people from all over to find out information about um, the different aspects of our programs. For our listeners who may want to um, see the mural arts but can't get to Philadelphia, is there a website that you have that they can look at the different? Yes, muralarts.org, and they should go on it. It's a really wonderful website, and it's full of information, and there's a section on the Porchlight Initiative and on our behavioral health projects. And how long does one of the... Um, big murals last on a building. Is there a life expectancy for them? Yes. Uh, if a building is structurally sound, and we've you know, come to realize that it's old architecture here in, in Philadelphia, but um, if a building is structurally sound, it can last 20 to 25 years. We have a, a partnership with the Getty Museum, and we're you know, learning all the time about new paints and new sealers and glazes that are being developed even as we speak. And so the work is increasingly more durable. Um, Dr. Evans, is there one last thing you would like our listeners to know about this project? Well, I think uh, it, it is where we started that I think that the challenges in healthcare and behavioral health care are large and that we really have to get out of the box. We can't keep doing the same things expecting different results. And I think, um, you know, having the ability to... Um, to uh, take the kinds of risks that are involved in doing something that's, you know, very different, I think in uh, this particular case uh, have um, paid off for us. Um, uh, so I guess my message would be that um, whether it's, you know, this or some other way of, of uh, getting out of the box, of trying to move the needle, that um, I think it's important to take those risks. I think, it's, I think that the... Um, the challenges are very big in our field right now. Joe, is there one last thing you'd like folks to know? Well, I, I just want to echo um, Arthur's point about I think the role of foundations is to support risk-taking, um, to help kind of fill that gap. Um, we know that Dr. Evans has been funding the work of the mural arts program, but he needs the support of the evaluation component to continue to do that. So I think the role of foundations becomes how do we support risk-taking, how do we find where that innovative space is and, and reward that so that we can really 
create significant change in the community, which I think is what's happening with this project. So we're, we're excited to be part of it and uh, kind of blend the art and science of a project like this. Um, I want to thank you all for being our guests today and, and for this amazing um, consciousness raising, if you will, for all of us about the value of art and how transformative it is for folks that have behavioral health challenges. And thank you all so much, and have a great week. Oh, thank, thank you. you for thank having you. us. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion, one hour at a time. We'll see you next week.